Hi everyone and welcome back to the Driving Talk podcast. This is part two of our chat with Mr. Scott Woodwiss. In this episode, he's going to talk us through working with the late Ryan Jones and the sort of projects he's got coming up and aspirations he's got for them. And if you've missed part one, don't forget you can head back to your Spotify and listen to that too. But let's settle in. Part two coming right up. So I, I inquired, inquired with a couple of people. I remember I emailed, one person I emailed was Andrew Coley. Of course, he now does stuff for Rally and stuff. And he was very good enough to come back and tell me to say, you know, do a freebie at first, but then make sure once you've done the freebie that you can do stuff. There's some other stuff, advice that he gave me. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I appreciate his email. And then I have an email back from a guy called Chris. It was on Twitter, actually. It's a guy called Chris Hartley. And he was in his commentary, but he also he has his own production company, which he still does. And I asked him, said, look, I'd love to get some experience in commentating. Would you be able to maybe give me some advice or possibly give me help? I'll never forget this because he, he generally gave my first like real world commentary. He said, well, I'm going to be at uh, Donington Park covering uh, a club racing event. Uh, so if you can make it, if you can do it, then we'll, why don't you come and do it? I was like, yeah, great. Uh, I can't drive yet. So you might have to come pick me up at the station. I think it was like Nottingham or Northampton station where it was. It might be Nottingham. Uh, did the weekend. I helped out doing some off-camera TV interviews that for some filler stuff. You only hear my voice once or twice, and you don't hear it on the broadcast because he did it. Did the weekend. Uh, that included some mighty minis doing some night races, which was interesting, quite fun. Um, and actually, as a, a fitting kind of coincidence that's kind of brought things full circle, that actual race weekend was the finals weekend for British Racing Sports Car Club at Donington Park. Okay, October 2012, and so obviously about less than three years later, I'd be working for them, but we'll, we'll get on to that. Um, and I remember we finished the first day, the, the two, the mini, the mini night races have finished, and we switched the microphones off, and I was quite pleased with the day. And bless him, and I'll never forget this either. Uh, and Chris simply turned to me and said, "Yeah, that was good." And he went, "Yeah, can't fault you. You're you're a natural." And and and. and that purely that just blew me away thinking that this is my first time I've done it in the real world. I'm not expecting any compliments or going into it thinking I want to be praised or anything. And he off his own back was good enough to tell me that in his opinion, he thought I was, I was quite a natural at it, which I, I took to heart was quite, a, was quite a, an amazing compliment. And then I did some more with him at a circuit rally at Snetterton. I did do very much in 2013. That was kind of a lean bit. So I did lots of, lots of sim commentary on that to keep myself busy. And then 2014 was when I managed to get some stuff, some trackside stuff, some BRCC stuff. I got some one event in MG Car Club with a good mate of mine, Chris Dawes. Um, he taught me a very important lesson. That's good old Dawesy. Yeah, Dawesy's Dawesy's fantastic. There's still a point in that weekend. I've, I've, I'm talking quite a bit here, but um, there's a bit which, which he still remembers. If he listens back to this, I might actually make, make him start ki- killing with laughter in a minute if he listens to this. Which is, I think we're talking about what color, what color. Why this is so funny, I don't know. You, you, it, you, you, this will be clear when I tell you. It's that we were laughing about the fact that I was correcting or mentioning what kind of shade of blue the car was. It was duck egg blue or powder blue or something. And every time I mention it, it just it, it cracks him up because you very much recognise how pedantic we were both being about what kind of shade of blue it was. I don't, again, don't ask me why that's funny. Don't ask me why it's like an internal joke with us. But just the fact that we mentioned what kind of, what kind of blue is that, Chris? And it always gets me every single time. But 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 and just to finish this point, he gave me a very piece of valuable advice in terms of being in career. And he said to me, you know, for 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 as long as you're in the sport, always be a fan of it first, and never lose that feeling. Because the moment you lose that feeling, 
that's when it becomes like a chore. It becomes like a job. It becomes like something that you have to do. And I've always tried to go by the principle of I never want to fall out of love with the sport. So I try and make sure that I stay a fan first, regardless of what situation I'm in. It could be it could be a club event at Brands Hatch, or it could be going to a circuit on location somewhere in Europe or further afield. I'm always going to carry the fan in me first and foremost because I feel like that's that's the most authentic version of me. That's the most that's the version of me that fell in love with the sport in the first place. And I never want to lose that because I always want to be as authentic as I can for myself and appreciate the sport and the cars and the atmosphere of it for what it is. And usually it's something that just attacks all the senses and just provides you with such a such a feeling and such an emotion that others in other sports like football or anything else would probably think exactly the same thing with their sport. But to me, there's no sport and no thing and no interest or pastime or anything else that just makes me feel things more than motorsport. And whether it's the thing I can explain or not, it's just something I've kept with me. And that whole thing of, I try to keep it here at least subconsciously thinking, I always want to be a fan of the sport first and just never lose that. And because I know the, the moment I lose it is the moment that I've fallen out of love with the sport. And it has to take something pretty drastic or horrific for me to want to completely get away from the sport and not do anything. And I can't see that happening anytime soon. So, But that was the first couple of years until I got to where I am now, I suppose. So it's it for me yet then, Rob, with my uh, COVID Xbox Clio Cup. Um, commentary that I did where most of the drivers switched me off because they were laughing too much and I called Rob to crash in one race. Just Oh, just... it was so funny. The, the problem was, Paul, your commentary wasn't so much commentating on the race, it was just rinsing the absolute <laughs> pee out of all of us while we were trying to race and I get to a point that when you get to a point where you're very giggly and it's then, it's then very hard to concentrate, let alone steer a sim. This is all during COVID, so that's, that's actually how myself and Paul met sim racing covid clio cup um which i've got the trophy here up on my mantelpiece uh that i won it project cars on the xbox and there's there's us lot and paul was a comment paul did a bit of commentary instead while we all just cracked on i hadn't intended on doing commentary it's just that i hadn't i hadn't ordered my steering wheel quick enough and you lot all went to go off and and do it and so i thought well, i can't really race on controller because one of the things was we all had to have our sim wheels and then obviously there was a global shortage because every everyone who was interested in motorsport decided to buy a, an xbox sim wheel um so i was too late to the party so i ended up ended up doing some doing some commentary but similarly you've got you've got to do it in your own style we knew that pretty much there was about 10 or 20 family members and friends who were watching it as it went out live um but I mean, if, I mean, nothing compared to what you're doing, obviously, Scott. But it is enjoyable, and it, it's the ability to translate what you're seeing and just talk about it. If you if you've got the capacity to do that, then um, then you know you can tell the people that are more natural. I mean, obviously, I sort of uh, faked, faked a few press releases from a few of the drivers during the practice sessions, and these guys were taking it really, really genuinely seriously. I mean, you know, Rob talks about that trophy. One of our friends in in our WhatsApp group didn't talk to me for three months afterwards because in the second series, in the second series, I nudged him in the rear quarter on the last in the last race and ruined his whole championship. You know, so uh, this is this is serious stuff. But I think you know just just that brief glimpse into into even just commentating on, on what you're seeing, things unfolding in front of you. And I guess I guess one of my questions for you will be, you know, 
if you're commentating on what you're seeing and you don't necessarily have editorial control over the cameras, mm. things are moving around. So how, how does that relationship work for you? Um, I think for me, I've always been, I've had times before when I've gone into a sim commentary or something else and I've kind of acted intentionally or not because there's obviously there's an established lead commentator more as like a color commentator just to kind of go from experience on what I understand. I work better as a what they call a play-by-play commentator, essentially just literally saying what you see on the screen and then adding in some stuff. But there's something I try to keep in mind as well on top of that, where if if you're solo, because there's something that David Addison, uh, who is I consider a friend, and he actually was good enough to give me some advice when I sat with him, I think it was just before touring car meeting, I think it was on a Friday or so, whatever it was, and sat and had a, a, a long chat with him when I first met him, about 2015, I think it was, 2014, 2015. And something else that he said in other interviews about about talking about commentating what you're doing is that ultimately, well, there's two things he kind of taught me. One is that ultimately people are not there, you're not there to, to showcase how much you know. You're there to essentially to give those watching information and to inform them but and uh, in a in, in the right way of what's going on, on the screen not to show how case how much you, you tell the story of the race rather than showcase how much you know about the sport etc because you've got a color commentator someone who's the expert you can lean on them because you can kind of bounce back and forth when you've in my experience when you're kind of a solo and you haven't to play kind of both roles a little bit which i i can sort of try and do although i prefer having a co-commentator where possible is you have to find the balance between showcasing what's going on track, and if there is a bit of a lull going on, you can kind of say, well, this could go back in 7th, 8th, and ninth, or there's a driver that's back in ninth, and you remember a fact about them, you can say, oh, well, he's had three podiums so far at this point in time, and he's now trying to go for a fourth, but he's a little bit further back when he wants to be, and just going forward, and just de- describing it in your own way. Um, but the other one which, get, which he mentioned was... Um, the 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 example he gave was that for example let's say if you're the, the average motorsport fan has might have so you, you want to put come across in a way that kind of is obviously entertaining and engaging enough for the regular motorsport fan but also as well you want to try and catch the attention of the average person who let's say someone who sat at home and they they watched a little bit of motorsport but they're not kind of like a massive fanatic. And they've got it on in the background. They might be reading the Sunday paper or something. But if something happens, you, you've got to find, again, it's about finding a balance between having enough enthusiasm that means that you can showcase what's going on and, and the, having the right tone so you can then get the severity or the significance of what's happening without either going to one extreme, being too dull. And for example, if someone makes a move by, sit, by sitting there and just going, if someone makes a pass or a lead, if you, if you sat there and went, it's up the inside and, oh, pass or a lead, and he's now in front and he's trying to pull away now. Whereas the other side, you go crazy. You go, oh, he's passing from a lead. That's incredible. And you literally go to the top of your lungs when it's just a pass for seventh place or something. It, it's finding the balance of knowing when and where you have to use your voice and kind of balance it pretty well. And I'm, I'm no expert. I'm just going by what I understand and what works for me and what I know in my head. But David was very good at, at putting it across. He said it a couple of times in other interviews where he, he said it to me. It's, it's You want to get to a point where if you could put something across, put it across in a way that that person who sat there reading the newspaper, it's in the background. If something happens, you go, oh, look at that. That's happened. To make them kind of look up from their paper and go, well, okay, what's what's going on here? You, you, you catch their attention. And it's kind of, you've got to find, again, it's all about 
said it several times. It's finding that balance between because I've, I've I've seen some, and I'm not one to criticise commentators. I never try to in purposely, but I'm talking generally here. I've seen some who, or heard some who, they talk and they've got the knowledge, but they don't seem to have like the the, the pitch and the tone either be a bit monotone or if they're too low or they don't get excited enough enough to the to warrant being excited about something. It could be a pass of the leader. The talk is if it's they're three cars following themselves in procession. It's kind of like you want to be give a bit more energy to it. And you get some others who uh, will be just completely shouting over the top and just almost all the time what's going on when there's a pass going on. Yeah, you can be excited, but there's too far and going excited, going really over the top to the point where it sounds a bit unbearable. And again, I, I, I'm, I'm generalizing here in terms of that thing where if you can find that medium of and also knowing what, what tone and what speed and what pace and what words to use as and when you come up. And it is a required skill. It's not an easy thing to pick up. I'll be the first to admit it's not an easy pick up, skill to pick up. But it's not something that, and I say this in a polite way, not everyone can do straight away off the bat. It is a skill that can be taught and can be developed. But it's just some people tend to fall into it quicker than others. And I never claim to be an expert. I just say what I see, what comes to mind and, and what's happening and use what words and phrases work for me in my head. The one problem I always find with myself is that, and I do this way too often, even when I listen back to myself talk, even when I, maybe if I listen back to this podcast, I'll probably figure out I've done it a couple of times. And I know I do this. There are times when genuinely I talk too fast, which can be a benefit sometimes. But when I'm talking sometimes and I listen back and something's happened, I can I can listen back to myself and I'm thinking, what on earth did I say? I can get a gist of what I said, but when I listen to it, the average person, it's like it's all 200 words jumbled into one sentence. And I'm thinking, even I can't understand what I just said. And it's like, that's why I, don't, I don't like like listening back to myself on that point where sometimes I have to purposely talk, like I'm probably doing now, purposely talk a little bit slower, which to any other person will sound like a normal tone, a normal speed. But to me, sounds like I'm going at half speed. And if I talk at a regular pace, which I think is a regular pace, if I listen back to it, it sounds like I'm a little bit sped up because that's just how my brain works. Because my brain tries to push out 200 words at once. And I have to put a filter in to kind of slow them down to an appropriate pace that people can hear it and also try and pronounce my words a bit better. Because if I just go at a million miles an hour, I then get to a point where I'm just combining words and I'm not even pronouncing certain you know, I'm not punctuating the words properly. So I have to kind of get to that point. So there, there are challenges with it. And I genuinely appreciate anyone that gives me, is kind enough to give me any feedback that's saying they enjoyed it. But I'm my own harshest critic and I can look back at a commentary. And someone can say, oh yeah, but you talking fast is all part of it, etc." But then I can look back at it and think, oh, I was way too fast there. I mean, I can't, even even me listening to it, I can't comprehend what I just said in that, that five second segment. I'm guessing your your voice, tone, speed, all of that becomes your signature, doesn't it? Because we don't yeah. see you predominantly on commentary. We we hear you, mm. we don't see you. And I, even even though we've not met in person, I recognise your voice and I can hear it back, sort of thing. So uh, so that that is that is you. You know, yeah. that's how it's how most of the audience receive you, isn't it? So it's definitely definitely unique to each individual. So it has to be your signature. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. And it's, it's funny if you're not the first person who, if I'm speaking to people on the phone in the office, and they would said, um, I say, like, Scott speaking, and they go, are you the Scott that does the commentary? And I'll just go, my, my default response is just, I might be. 
Um, <laughs> so that I, 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 I like, but yeah, I, I always appreciate anyone, genuinely, whether it's whatever level, who has any kind of praise for it. I'm, I'm never one of those people that takes it to kind of thinking I'm you know, Billy Bibbox or anything, because I'll always accept that I know my ability, but at the same time, I always accept that there's always more I can do to learn. There's always more I can do to develop, and there's always different levels that I can go to. Um, and there are still career ambitions that I've got to go forward in that, which I'm sure we'll get onto at some point in this podcast. But yeah, I I I just talk about what I know and what makes sense to me, and just talk about it in a way in which you know I I hope is entertaining, and I try and I genuinely try to find that balance between being entertaining and you know hyping up the action at the appropriate level where it needs to be and then where i can afford to kind of be a bit more sort of a little more laid back and better pace and better tone when again if there's a pass of 15th place for example i don't need to treat it like it's a pass of a lead on the last lap i can say for example pass 15th place i can say he's up he says up the inside 15th place and there he goes he's up another spot see if he can catch the guy in front that's the tone I would take with that because that's a nice simple move. It's further down the order. If it's a good battle, I might be giving it a bit more energy, but ultimately it's just find that balance where if it is a, we had some good races at the, we're currently doing winter esports series for BRSEC. We had a, I think it was a three or four wide moment, uh, not the rounds we just done, but the previous rounds at Donington. And that was quite extreme where that requires you to be quite high energy because it's quite a close finish. Uh, whereas if it was someone who's dominating out in front, you can kind of say out the final corner and he takes victory in race number three. But sometimes you might gloss over that because there's second and third are battling and they're side by side. So you might have to quickly say he wins the race in first, but here's the fight for second neck and neck and across the line. And then you can kind of glorify that because it's one of the top positions that they're battling for. So again, it's just, and that comes with practice that comes with time and that comes with advice and just working on it. And I think sim racing is a good platform. There's so the scope of sim racing has become so big that there's so many different leagues and different you know, platforms and uh, ways in which people can practice. It, it, it's it, it's you, know, you see a like to David Addison do, does it, and you know John Heinhoff's done it in the in previously, and others commentators who will go, Andy McEwen does it. I do it where I can, where they will go and do sim commentary. One because they enjoy it. But also, I think as well, it's good to keep us in practice because when you've got no motorsport to commentate on, unless you go off and do stuff in the Middle East or some of the winter series that exist in Europe and, and further afield, you don't get a chance to keep your hand in. Because when the racing season finishes in October, November time, essentially your voice goes to sleep. So it's for another, what, three months, four months, and then you're back into it again. So it's good. That's a good way to keep, to, to not only get started, but also for those who are experienced enough, like me and anyone else, to keep your hand in, keep your voice vocal cords in in good form, and then when you're ready to go, when the racing season starts again in March time or so, whenever your season starts in the US or in Middle East or Europe or anywhere else it is, if it's in that winter period, then your winter series, then you can use that as when you're good to go. And then people's seasons start at different points depending on what connections they've got, what series they're doing, etc. All the stuff we've had over in you know, the Middle East at the moment with Formula Regional and all the Dubai stuff with the 24 hours we just had, the golf six hours and everything else people are starting their season early it's like motorsport practically never stops so yeah it's it's uh, not, the not these days no find the balance no. yeah oh, well you say about finding a balance we weren't on commentary at the time but i think we wanted to be and i can remember being stood with you at the back of the commentary box at the conclusion of the 24 hours this year the c124 hours 
and it was Andrew Mather and Andy McEwen on the main comms when leader and second place had contact with two laps to go at the 24 hours. Yeah. And I think, and you're trying to hold it in. I could see you bursting at the seams, nearly about to commentate on said moment. Mm. And all you can hear, I think if you listen back, there's me and you shrieking at the back of the commentary box and you can hear it. <laughs> I, I think, not to, not to Shasti Elysian, I'm, I guess this is how my brain works. I think when that happened at the time, I think you might be in the commentary box. I remember, I think I was on the pit wall with Greg from VRSCC and I was watching the stream. And that was actually the place to be because whilst that was happening, down the pit lane, every single team is watching the 23 hour finish. And depending on what points they're at, if there's delays and stuff, all you can hear is just like a um, everyone's got at every single point when it's happening, and even when we're watching it, all we can hear for the pit lane is just oh, oh, in terms of, but it goes off at different points down the pit lane, so you get it like multiple times at the, at the instant when the incident happens. And even me and Greg are watching on the pit wall, going, it's going to be close, it's going to be close. And when they touch, literally, it's like it's an exciting finish in it when you look at it overall, but also from a contest point of view, from a club point of view, you look at it, you go. Yeah, that's close. No, 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 don't do that. And it's just, it's, you watch it in that point. But yeah, that was a, a, a dramatic but unfortunate way in which it concluded. But yeah, that was, um, that's the whole point of it. And again, if you look, if you listen back to when Andy was commentating on that, he gets the point where he's quite animated and quite high energy and high pitch in that point. And in some cases, that it's those kind of occasions when it's literally a fight for the lead with like two or three minutes to go and it's that close. It's been that sort of back and forth that's when you can kind of get to that point of find that pitch, that energy, that point yeah. when you do get quite excited. One of the best ones as well, I've talked about him a couple of times, but I think the best I've heard is someone going like another octave was just to go off on a, another tangent was um, so, so w w when the, when the mini sevens, when the mini medias were at Thruxton, I think it was last, last yes. year. And I will never, ever forget the fact that when I heard David Addison's voice literally go, to an, to an octave that I've never heard it before in terms, in terms of fight. <laughs> if you listen back to it, I won't try and um, replicate it, but it was the point when Jeff Smith kind of just went, tried to go down the outside of everybody, got it completely sideways. Oh, into had, the club chicane, had yes. Into the club chicane. And I've ne and again, and this, this, this is, if David Habs listens to this back, this is, this is a genuine positive. I'm not being critical at all because he's, he's one of the best commentators, I think, genuinely, out that we have from the UK out there. Um, and his voice went to a pitch I've never ever heard it go before, and it was, and that was one testament to his range, but also to his expertise. But three, just how epic that race was, and Mini Sevens produce a great race wherever they go. So that's on that BTCC package, they they outdid themselves at Thruxton, and that was just, I it, it was it was hilarious, and yet I had a, 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 um, a tinge with admiration because I was thinking, how would you make your voice go that high? I've never even heard his voice go that high before. It was absolutely incredible, but. Yeah, so there are points when it gets that exciting when you can go to that level. It's just when you have to manage it and not go completely bonkers for points where you don't have to. At least in my personal experience of kind of ten plus years of doing sim and comms and everything on top of it. Yeah, so I mean, we're we're an hour and twenty into this podcast. It's <laughs> gone so flowed so well so far. It's what happens when you get a commentator on the conversation. Just yeah, you can't goes up. naturally. So. <laughs> So as, as we sort of as we sort of get to head towards the finish line, as such, what has been your best moment in the commentator's seat so far, or best moments? I think it would have to be the points when I've gone to different I've gone to different places and kind of seen them for the first time. One of the weekends that I'll always remember was 
a couple of years in, it was 2014. Again, the RSEC weekend. And it was a weekend that was full of, at the time, two of my favourite kinds of racing. It was Mazda MX-5s and it was Caterhams. I still love Caterhams to this day. I don't see them as much as possible because they're not with BRSCC anymore. But I still appreciate them all the same and enjoy their racing when I can see it. And that weekend, I remember I got the call up. And it was to commentate alongside a genuine bona fide legend who's very sadly no longer with us now. But I had the privilege of working alongside him and you know, working and being with him whilst he was around us at the club. And that's the very late and incredibly great Brian Jones. And I had the privilege of working with him twice. And the first time I did was, yeah, Brands Hatch 2014. And this was after, <laughs> I'll tell this story actually. So bless him. It was, I think it was not long after he'd had a, a health incident. And I think, again, forgive me if this is wrong. This is anything what I remember from the memory. I think he'd had possibly a stroke of some kind. Again, forgive me if it's wrong. But um, so he was maybe a little bit slower than he had been before. Um, and so he was going through his day and, and going through it. And he may have made one or two mishaps and mistakes, but it was just, it, it was Brian being Brian. He was that unique voice and that unique personality. And he was just absolutely genuinely just doing the best job he could. Absolutely the best job he could. And I remember he got to the end of the day and he felt a bit kind of, upset with himself and thinking I wasn't he's almost like saying to himself like I wasn't the standard I, I really thought I should have been I, I tried to comfort him and said look you know look, you did the best job you could and you know you, you're still the great comment that you've always been so I'm sure I go forward you'll be absolutely fine and I tried to comfort him as best I could so sassy finished this is before I moved to to Kent so I went to my hotel came back on Sunday morning and this is about nine o'clock got into the commentary box and I was sort of sat there got my iPad set up had like, I think they still do it in the Brands Hatch comedy box, but you could put like a TV on. It had like, I don't know, Sunday breakfast TV, whatever it was on there. So you could put it on there. If there was some racing that was like a Grand Prix early on, they had Sky Sports F1 or whatever it was. Or you could put ITV4 on and have touring cars playing in the background, which some commentators of us have done in the past. Um, keeping tabs of that whilst the race is going on. So it gets about half an hour to go. Brian's not there yet. So I'm thinking, okay, uh, that's fine. He'll, he'll be there in a minute. Gets to 15 minutes to go and he still hasn't turned up. So I'm sort of talking in the chat uh, with a few of the the uh, guys I know in motorsport in this little collective we've got. And I said, guys, he's he's, he's not here yet. Like, um, I don't know what to do. And they said, well, if he's not here, then you'll have to start without him. And me being sort of the polite person I was at the time, I was like, not that I'm not now, but um, is that I thought, well, is, is it disrespectful of me to start without him? Because I consider him to be like a like a well-respected person i don't want to start without him and feel like i've disrespected him or not played my role as i should have done so i'm sort of sat there thinking like well, what do i do like I've, I've got to do something gets the 10 minutes to go and he's still not there and i think and it's getting to the point where it's nearly going to start letting cars out the assembly area i'm thinking what to do so i'm texting saying guys he's still not here what do i do and they're like look just you're a commentator start do what you're going to do that's what you're there for Gets to five minutes to go. Cars are starting to come out onto the grid before they get going again. So I resigned myself to thinking, I've got no choice. I've, I've got to start. I've got to go. So I put the microphone on and said, morning. I don't know exactly what I said, but it was worse the effect of morning. Brands Hatch, BRSCC. Brands Max 5 is lining up. Scott Woodworth's here. Brian Jones is also in the commentary box with me. Not here yet, but he'll be here along shortly. So, so 10 o'clock comes. Race starts. Still no start again. So I thought, right, I've got no choice. I'm just going to do what I need to do. So commentate, got to the first five minutes, 
And then I noticed that the door in the commentary box opened, and in came um, when he was part of the BRCC, Drew fell on for a bit when he, when he was in his role in BRCC, and a lady called Annie, who was the I think the Southeastern Centre, I think she was the Chief Marshal. They both came in. They were kind of giving me like a like a almost like an odd kind of like look as to what was going on. And I thought to myself, "Oh Christ!" Like I, I knew I shouldn't have started. I should have waited for him to come and then and and not start until he went. So I found a break in the race and I turned around and I went, "Look, I'm really sorry for starting without Brian, but he wasn't here, so I didn't know what to do." And thankfully, their response was, "They went, no, no, you're fine. It's it's all good. We, you know, you're here as a commentator, so you're doing your job. But we're just wondering where Brian is. Where's he gone?" And I was like. Oh, thank God. I thought I was going to get lynched. But um, so I said, well, he's not here yet. I'm not sure where he is. No, he hasn't contacted me or called me. And he went, okay, no problem. When he's here, we'll, we'll send him up and you, you carry on. So I carry, so now relieved, I was I could fully get, properly get into it. I was already, but I could fully relax and go into it. About two-thirds of the way through, I noticed that corner of my eye, good old Brian, he ambles into the commentary box, gives me a little wave. And I was like, yep, yeah, cool. And then carried on. And he sort of stood there and kind of observed the race and everything. We finished off the race. When the race finished, I kind of went over and said, are you okay? He went, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm not going to imitate his voice. That would be impolite of him. But, uh, and, he, and he simply turned to me and he went, um, I realised that yesterday I wasn't quite on the same sort of form as I could have been. Uh, and I went, no, no, you, you were fine. Uh, I was reassuring him. So, no, you, you were fine. You're all good. So he said, I, um, I think it's best if I stay in one place today. And bear in mind, this is the second ever time I'd ever been to Brands Hatch. And this is like the, the number of commentary gigs I'd done was still on single digits. So he said to me, uh, he said to me, I think it's best if I'm in one place on the weekend. So I'll tell you what, if I go downstairs and do the podium interviews, I'll leave you up here and you can commentate to the circuit. So he's this is Brian Jones entrusting me with the entire Brands Hatch commentary box on my own to commentate whilst he goes downstairs and does podium interviews. And my m mind was genuinely blown thinking he's entrusting me to do this by myself. And obviously I'd I have confidence in my abilities, but that was a different time when, kind of, when I hadn't had all the experience that I had now. So, you know, it's so I did the best job I could, and it was mostly MX5s and Caterham's. He did, went downstairs and did the podium stuff. I used to did the upstairs stuff in the commentary box. And um, I had that was at the time in Caterham when the coordinating team there. When I met them for the properly, properly for the first time, so there was there was there was Jen who used to work. She did some work for TCR and then she's moved up, moved on I think, to do some event playing stuff. There was there was Laura Tillett, I think, and she was working uh, there, sort of working for Thirty Seats. And there was also um, Abby Hay as well, and she's now working in Australia for SRO. And so I met them for the first time on that weekend, and that was when I properly started getting. I loved Caterham racing at that point anyway, so I was getting into that. And that was a great weekend all round, and they appreciated the commentary, and the masses was good, finished off the microphone. And then Blessing Brian said something, again, I didn't expect, but he sort of signed off on the podium for the last race, and he effectively signed off towards the end. He said, um, so thanks everyone for being etc, etc, etc. And then he went, apropos of nothing, he went, and I have to say thank you to, to Scott up in the commentary box. Um He's done a fantastic job when his commentary has been first class. So well done to him and thanks for all the stuff he did. And it was like, I'm 23 years old. I've been in the industry like two or three years. And I've got someone who is literally the voice of Brands Hatch, who is good enough to give me a praise like that. And it was one of those moments where it genuinely blew me away thinking this, he didn't have to say anything like that, but he did. 
And I don't, and it, I, don't, I always worry how that sounds sometimes. So I promise now that's to, to, to listen to brag or anything. It's genuinely just, he said that. And it was one of those things that always stick with me is that he was gracious enough as well on top of that to, I, I ended up, another comp time we commentated was Croft in 2015. And I ended up taking him to the circuit from Kent all the way up to Croft, staying at the hotel overnight. We did both days of commentary and drove all the way back. And that was eight, probably the one of the, the, the best eight hour round trip I've ever had in my life because sitting next to him and him telling me stories and anecdotes and advice and everything else on top of it was, I absorbed it all like a sponge. And so for him to be, you know, kind enough and nice enough to say something like that at the end of the commentary weekend when it was only my seven, second ever time at Brands Hatch and everything else on top of it that was, that was going on that weekend with me and everything else was just something that meant a lot. And it's something that's always stuck with me. And I was obviously a bit heartbroken when he passed away at the beginning of 2021. And I think another standout for me moment as well to wrap this up, because I appreciate it again, being a typical commentator. I am. Awful <laughs> um, but it almost came full circle quite nicely when um, I've had the privilege of commentating on the Formula Ford Festival, which anyone who knows Brian, he loved Brands Hatch. He loved Formula Ford and he loved the festival. Um, and I've had the privilege of commentating on the live stream two or three times. And I did the 2022 festivals. I've done, the, done it on circuit comms a couple of times. And I've been on broadcast, I think, three or four times. Yeah, I did 21, 20, no, three times. 21 with Andy McEwen. 22, I did it solo. Although we don't talk about the final, which only lasted, what, two laps. We don't talk about that. Um, it was the weather yeah. it couldn't and, have and, it was, and that, it was, was, and that was a bit unfortunate because I was hoping there'd be a really good final and then unfortunately the weather played its part and scuppered that but I was privileged to do it solo on the broadcast and 2023 mm. I did it again with uh, with Andy and that was a cracker 2021 and 2023 were cracking finals and there were two finals I think that if Brian had been around to see them particularly as 2021 was the 50th Formula Ford Festival like in history. We had a proper big yeah. celebration for that. We had a nice water, a celebration a dinner event on the Friday evening. The final itself was magic. It was like how Formula Ford should be, and it was just a fantastic race. And then 2023's one last year was actually, because even though Jamie Sharp won 2021, I spoke to him afterwards, and I said, that was an amazing final. And he even went, yeah, you know what? Even though I won 2021, that was a better final. And in some ways, I could see where he was coming from. So that was good. But so there was that. And then just a roundabout stuff like some of the stuff I've done on the continent uh, very quickly. So I'll rattle through them um, without any details. I did TCR Europe Trophy in 2017. Uh, that was Adria um, in Italy. And I got to meet Gabriele Tarquini, which was quite a cool thing. And interview him and help doing some press stuff. So that was quite cool. That was only the second ever race for the new Hyundai TCR. So that was cool. I did the last three rounds of International GT Open. I got to cover for Ben Evans. He very kindly called me up. So again, shout out to him as well for giving me the opportunity. And that was Silverstone. And then Barcelona, the Catalonia circuit, and then Monza. So I got the chance to visit Monza and sit in the pits, uh, sat in the pit straight grandstand during TTR practice. And just, you know when you go to a place, you can feel the history. Yeah, yeah, history, yeah. You, can, you can literally physically feel it. And I sat there imagining like all these Tifosi fans sat around on race day with flags and a sea of red everywhere. It was a magnificent thing. And when, because I will, I'm always thinking of when rather than if. When I go back, one thing I didn't do is go to the banking. I need to go to the banking and see that again. And see that properly. Um, there was as well, when I went to go to Dubai for the first time, tw end of 2022, and that was to do an event called the Golf Historic. 
which was kind of like their version of like Goodwood and Silverstone Festival with a little bit of Gran Turismo sprinkled in. It was a really nice event. Um, had its, it's only run three times. That was its second time. Third time had a few more people turn up last year. And that was pretty good. Um, and yeah, just all the stuff I've done with Formula Ford Festival and everything else on top of that. Um, and then I don't know if it's a question you're going to ask or preempt, but in terms of ambitions to go forwards, um, for me, I want to reach and go to places like Spa 24 Hours, Le Mans, World Endurance Championship, the SRO Paddock, Bathurst. Um, I want to go to. I, I want to see Im. I want to go to Imola because that's one of the circuits I want to see because it's a great circuit, and also I want to see the the Eton Senna Shrine or the the monument. And just I want to go to those higher levels of the sport, and I want to go up there and test myself on those levels. Um, I haven't mentioned F1 because. I don't, I'm not purposely aiming for F1. The reason being because I feel like, particularly the period it's in now, I feel like everyone wants to go to F1 and everyone has the ambition to go to F1. Mm. I feel like it's very much a... Motorsport is in general anywhere like a pressure cooker environment, but I think in F1 it's especially high pressure. Not that I couldn't cope with it, but it's more I would rather be in an environment where there's not as much pressure, but I can still enjoy it and not feel like you're constantly under a spotlight all the time like you probably would be in F1. That's why Pad Lock. Just, um, I think you just need to get on Netflix to get an F1. Really, is that right, Paul? Uh, Probably. Get a Netflix contract. Yeah, there's many, many ways into F1. Yeah. You got to have a budget at every level, haven't you, to get into F1? Yeah, but for me, it's like I'm not purposely aiming for F1. But at the same time, if someone says to me, "Do you want to do something for it?" I wouldn't necessarily say no. But I'm not purposely trying to get there. My ambition is more or aim is to go to those places that intrigue me more and that are slightly more accessible to people and you can bring those stories much easier and make stars of them more in their own right, like Bathurst, whether it's the 12 hours or the Bathurst 1000 and supercars, Spa 24 hours, the SRO paddock, WEC, particularly where it is now with the hypercar classes we've talked about, and other places like that. Those are the paddocks I want to be in, whether it's more stuff with PCR and touring yeah. cars on the continent, just more stuff on the continent that isn't necessarily F1, but it's events in their own right, which you have the opportunity to help in your own way make stars of them. They might have been the same exact star star level as F1, but you can make stars out of them nonetheless within their own respective category. And that's that's what I want to do. And, and I love researching. I love storytelling. And I just That's what I want to do going forwards in wherever I go in motorsport. But as far as I can go towards the top, all I want to do is just to help at each event I go to, just tell the story of the weekend, tell the story of the, of the people within it, and just hopefully leave a mark on there that I can look back on and and I'm so far from where I've achieved that there's things I still want to do and I, I hopefully want to use this year as a year to go forward to take into that step and go forward in the next few years because I've got an idea of where I want to go now and I just want to reach that next level and eventually eventually continue forward in the career that I can look back on in the next 20-30 years and I can do in a way already now but look back there and just just be proud of it, really. Just, just... Is, is there a role for someone with your skill set within teams in sort of various hosting stroke events type spaces? You know, so rather than overall in terms of circuit commentary to sort of to, to, to embed yourself with the team and, and do that for them? Um, I'd be intrigued to do that. Yeah, it, also that on top of that and also uh, anything in terms of, you know, media work and social media work and content creation i'd be intrigued to do to look at that at some point in the future as well uh that's probably one of the routes i'd like to go on to 
wherever my career outside of commentating and presenting takes me um, alongside it, uh, I'd eventually like, eventually at some point in the future, be I'd like to have a go at being involved in with a team or with a championship, uh, whether it's national level or like an international support level, and eventually go to places like, again, those kind of paddocks that I want to go to. It's almost like I don't want to have a set route to how I get there. I've got an in place, the end goals are where I want to get to, but I'd like to kind of let whatever path I take to get to that, just let it take me there rather than saying, well, I've got to get there via this route and that route. Cause it, I think it closes it off as the only possible way it can happen. Whereas I want to just say, right, this is where I want to go, whether it is commentating or media work or voiceover or doing social media or content creation or press officer or whatever it is. I know, I know the paddocks I want to go into and frequent and make my career in, but how I get there, I'll let, I'll, I'll let the way things play out decide. Obviously, I want some direction to it, but I want to see the end goal and just let things play out and see how I get there and not have one set way in which I get there and get there however my career and however the opportunities take me. Um, to commentate would be great. Just so see. We'll see. Just to uh, see which way the river flows as That's such. It. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure if you ever want to uh, bring anyone onto a podcast, Ross trying to get rid of me on a daily basis. So. Uh... <laughs> Looking for, looking for someone who knows what they're talking I'm, about. I'm, I'm just a I'm, Max Coke standing this week, well, you know. But, well, I'm sure uh, that's not true. Rob, you've got my number. It's fine. You can call me later. Exactly. Yeah. Feel free to uh, invite anyone on and talk to them with Rob via this platform any anytime. You're more, more than welcome. And really appreciate you. you giving us all your time today. It's been really insightful. No, thank you. I, as I say, I warned at the beginning that I'm someone that if you let me go off on a tangent and talk, I will talk. So I even have to have to pause myself and think, you know, Scott, you've talked enough now, just wrap it up and shut up now and let somebody else speak or give them a chance to breathe and digest what all the 5,000 words that you've just said in two minutes. You have to kind of work on that. And I'm still working on that. And I I will never claim to myself to be, I'm doing it again. Um, I will never claim myself to be the perfect commentator. I don't think there, I don't think there is. I think that's the beauty of it is that, Everyone's got their own unique style. Everyone's got their own unique way of going about things. And I can only just, I can only translate what I'm seeing on track into the words that I want in in, in my own way. Into eventually into the words that I'll that I'll produce to describe it. As I say, I'm very much more play by play, so I will simply just describe it as it is. But I will also happily throw in the facts that I want to throw in what's going on someone's won two or three races prior stuff like that i always try and do it that way at the same time i'm always always a very young words critic and also I've, i had a meeting with somebody recently I, I i think i'm also a little bit i need to work on my own self-promotion because you know i i if you look at some of the other commentators that are out there they have a proper website or social media presence i think i'm so and this is not a negative i'm so engrossed in doing vrcc work as i should be because that's my day-to-day -day role and I, I do commentary and presenting work for them on top of that as well but also in terms of where I want to get to, I feel like I need to kind of showcase myself a little bit better because I haven't really done that the last two or three years. So I'm just, I'm looking at putting myself onto a better platform in terms of what I've done so far, showcasing that and just putting it out there because the, the people that, the connections that I feel like I, I should be going out and making and the people that I should be connecting with and then maybe the agencies and the people that I want to get involved in, I think I need to at least tell them in some in my own way that I'm here and this is what I've done. And it's like, I've done 10 plus years worth of experience, but it's like, I haven't told anyone. And if like, if I've, if I've done stuff, for example, like super GT or 
brazilian stock cars with motorsport tv recently and stuff like that opportunities that i'm very very thankful for and i'm always thankful for and grateful for any opportunities that i get that goes without saying i feel like at some points and this i'm i'm speaking out loud here this is not me complaining or bemoaning anything at all i'm purely just stating how uh, and what i've realized is that i don't give myself an a, a enough of a chance to properly promote myself and i feel like because of that i have kind of purposely ring fenced myself unintentionally into the kind of spot where um if i get an opportunity it's because somebody else can't do it and it's like i do it for one and then i I'm almost feel like i'm becoming a bit of a super sub nothing wrong with that at all but as i say i'm my own worst critic so if anyone's gonna be critical of that sort of thing it's it's me but ultimately i i know what ability i can do i know what i can do what knowledge i've got it's just i have to put that all together and as someone's told me including rob has at some point it's just um i think the phrase is i just gotta go for it but i can't the only person that can go for it and do that is me so i need to kind of figure out the strategy of pushing myself out on that platform amongst everyone else i don't want to replace anyone i'm not going to go out there and i don't want to take any particular commentator's job i don't want to take anyone's job i want to be part of the team and work with them rather than in place of them so it's kind of that's the key thing in terms of, i don't want people to think uh, i overthink these things too much but i don't want people to think that if i'm going out in that point that i want to take somebody's job like for example i want to take david croft's job i want to work with david croft mm. not take his place i don't want to place david addison or anyone else i want to work with them i want to be part of the team i want to go to spa 24 hours and be on the same team as david addison and bruce jones and you know, ben constant and paul trustwell and the other guys that do all those sorts of things i want to be part of that team and do it with them. I don't want to replace anyone because if anything, they're people I can work with and learn from and build partnerships and friendships with. And that's the kind of place I want to get to. So we can have a whole other podcast about uh, territorial politics of commentators and backroom conversations about I'm not, I'm not you're selling your, you're your ice cream where I park my van, mate. <laughs> on your territory. I want to work with you, not against you or replace you. I want to stress that stress that entirely. But well, from, well, from an audience well, perspective, I just want to say thank you. You know, no, thank we, you. I really enjoy listening to your commentary. Um, it's it adds a lot of flavour to what's going on. From my perspective, it strikes the right balance whenever. We listen to it so uh long may you continue and uh, from my perspective i wish you every success and please keep doing what you're doing and try and do more of it well any response, I, and any response my... i'll give you is i'm glad someone listens to it <laughs> no, I appreciate and, it. from my perspective scott it's it's been great to work with you certainly my first journey into the commentary foray last year was working alongside yeah. you and we've We've worked together a few times yeah. since, and we've had some good fun along the way. Um, and we're going to have a load more this year because certainly, albeit I haven't got any dates confirmed outside of my C1 mm. commitments, I'm doing a bit of racing myself this year. So that's um, obviously I'm going to have a bit of fun with that, and uh, we'll see we'll we'll see where where this year takes the both of yeah. us, Scott. But thank you very much for coming on to the Driving Talk podcast, powered by Icon. We've had Scott Woodwiss on this week for a great chat about the news I mean we spent 40 minutes just talking about Daytona and the Monte Carlo rally that's that's when you know you got uh, you get your guests on that really know their <laughs> motorsport you have a good chat a catch up Scott we can't wait we will have you back on the podcast in the future to talk more because there is more to come from you good sir we know Thank that um, and if I if I may say so as well on. just to, not to hijack your exit as well but I do want to say this and it's not planned for anything else I just want to say you mentioned about me bringing you into commentary as well. And I will say publicly on this podcast and whether it embarrasses him or not, I don't care because it's, it's the truth. When Rob did his first broadcast commentary on any kind of things, it was a 2021 C124 hours. 
and I guarantee you, both me and Richard John Neal saw when you did that first feature, when you're doing your best Mark Larkham impression um, of going through the C1 stuff and thing, which to be fair, you do do a damn good Mark Larkham impression in your own right, in your own way of doing stuff. Genuinely, me and me and and I, and I would do you know what, I would embarrass him in this sort of thing. I don't I don't even care. Um, I'm in that kind of mood, but. Um, he did his first uh, first presenting job, and even that first piece to camera, me and Richard looked at each other and went, "This boy's a natural." And genuinely, ever since you've started doing broadcasting in those three years, there is not one. Even at Race Remembrance, I think Race Remembrance, you're in your element, and a couple of others that you've done through seeing ones and everything else, and the stuff that you've done last year as well. Any single time I've seen you on 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 camera, I have I haven't had any thought other than, yeah, this, given the, the the lack of experience that you've got for the short amount of time you've done it. And the way which you do it, and the way you picked up things, or you just picked up naturally or not, uh, I think you're gen- genuinely. I don't say this just for the sake of it. You are genuinely one of the best natural presenters I've seen. So the fact that you've done that since doing it since 2021 doesn't feel like it. it feels like you've been doing much longer than that. So from genuine uh, feedback or praise from me to to Rob, you say keep doing what I'm doing. Likewise, mate. Keep going. Gives you very very good. Yeah, and I, and I don't do praise for Rob, so I'm off down to the spa. To uh, go and get a massage from carrying him throughout <laughs> all these podcasts. So, uh, <laughs> the room must be on that note, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, on, uh, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, my thanks to our guest this week, Mr. Scott Woodwiss, and to my wonderful co host, Paul Harvey, who is back for this week. Uh, we've got a bit of a treat for you next week, folks. We've got the team from the 1990s BTCC, or for your podcast lovers out there, certainly if you are listening to this. They have started and been very successful with the stories from Super Touring podcast. So we'll be hearing from the team about how it all started and how it's all currently going. But for now, from the Driver Talk podcast, I've been your host, Robert Lewis and Paul Harvey and Scott Woodwiss. Goodbye, everyone. And that concludes our chat with Scott Woodwiss in two parts across his commentary career. It was great to hear about his relationship with the late Brian Jones there and his aspirations for the future. And if you want to hear about what Italian mark he's going to go and work for, I suggest you get across to his social because I have a feeling he has announced it now. Thanks again for Scott Woodwiss to come on for us. And don't forget, next week we have got the team behind the 1990s British Touring Car page and the stories from Super Touring Podcast coming on to have a chat with us. So it'll be great to hear from them all and hear about where it started and what they've got planned for it coming up. But for now, it's been the Driving Talk Podcast. I've been your host, Robert Lewis, and from Paul Harvey. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.